Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. And today I have with us Kuze Taran of Working Class Hero Club from Oakland, California. How are you doing today, Kuze? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. How are you? You're very welcome. I'm great. Thank you. And so tell us a little bit about your business and, and what you guys do. Um, uh, so we are a Turkish uh, pop-up bakery, and we are uh, specializing on fresh filo dough, and we make börek rolls with them, which is a Turkish savory pastry. And yeah, that's our uh, uh, the whole thing, you know. And so, do you do you, explain to us a little bit about because you're the first sort of Turkish cuisine, Turkish bakery that's come on. What is traditional Turkish food uh, and baking? Uh, can I hear that again, please? Uh, what is the traditional style of and food that you guys cook for? You know, what is traditional tur- Turkish baking? Uh. Traditional Turkish cuisine is like extremely diverse because it begins from uh, Ottoman Empire. So it's very big, um, like as diversity. Uh, Börek is uh, made with filo dough, which is in Turkish called yufka. And that is the most essential part of Turkish baking. Uh, it could be considered as like the, the traditional um, dough that we make. And anything that we make with yufka is considered börek. And uh, did that answer your question? Yeah, that's perfect. And so um, explain to us a little bit what is a pop-up bakery. A pop-up bakery is um, I am going and uh, meeting with different vendors such as breweries or cafes and such, and I go and ask them if I can use their space, if they allow me to, and I go there, and then um, once a week, twice a week, they give me a set time, and then I serve them uh, the stuff that I created for the customers that they have, and it's a great beginning. When when you're beginning your own uh, company, this is a great way to approach people before going, having your everything ready and going into a brick and mortar, which is a big financial uh, stone that you have to go under. So this is a great way uh, to know people, to meet new vendors. Uh, If there's a brewery, if you like it, you can uh, become friends and then end up having their products in your uh, your shop as well in the future. So it's kind of like a a help me help you uh, type of deal that, uh, I try to find in in Bay Area mostly. And so, I mean, it's a little bit like we have here in Colorado. Um, the breweries bring in food trucks all the time to sort of serve food on a regular basis. So you're basically doing the same thing, but in-house. You don't actually cook in the, in the breweries then or, or the locations. Are you cooking off-site? Uh, yes, I am cooking offsite. Uh, I have a commissary kitchen that I uh, uh, rent out, and I produce everything there, and then I bring it to the location, and I have some tools to reheat them 
If not, it could be uh, room temperature as well. Uh, Burek in is a very uh, forgiving, actually, pastry to be consumed. It's, it can be cold, it could be hot, depending on the person's uh, preference, which makes it easier in these situations. Sometimes I'm not allowed to reheat them, so um, it's a great product that I actually chose in that sense. Yeah, and I love what you're doing, the whole pop-up thing, and, and it's, you're exactly right to, to take on the financial burden of a brick-and-mortar right away. That's, that's quite a bit of, of, you know, financial responsibility to start a business. So yeah. when you, I mean, how did you decide to do this, and, and what brought you down this path to, to be an entrepreneur in this sense? Um, it's a... Um, uh, also, off topic, I have a question for you. Uh, should I, uh, it began like all the way from college to all the way now, which is like a 10 year period. Would you, would you like to tell me that story? Yeah, that one, that story would be great. Okay. Uh, so, um, the whole thing began, uh, me, uh, deciding to go to college in, uh, for industrial design in Philadelphia, uh, which was my first time living outside U.S. And when I was uh, getting ready to go to college, first time being away from parents and all that stuff, and my my dad gave me a um, an essay to read about, which his father gave to him. It's called um, A Message to Garcia, uh, which talks about how to be the uh, person with all the discipline and uh, self-understanding and receiving a task and completing and finding your own, own solutions and trying to not rely on other people. It's mostly you know what you can do and just follow it and you will become successful. And something he also told me was, um, even though it's university, it's like a job. Treat it like a, as a job so um, you can have like a sense of commitment to it. And that stuck with me uh, all these years till now. And during college, uh, industrial design, everything that I wanted to do uh, was mainly uh, for people. Um, I didn't like making just things. Uh, my thesis project was based on um, <clears throat> actually my mom's uh, she had cancer when I lived uh, when I was in college. So she, they took her one of her uh, lymph nodules from her arm. So um, my thesis project was uh, one-handed bottle openers, which um, I tested with a um, with a friend of mine who had a uh, stroke in his 40s, which he couldn't use one of his arms, and he used uh, his to open all the bottles. So my project was um, trying to make people a uh, little bit easier to live, a little bit easier to uh, uh, have their lives, even if they have uh, some sort of sickness, disability, or a small accident that they had. A simple task like opening water bottles ends up becoming uh, a big problem with, with that. And that was my mom's biggest uh I would say 
um, problem during when she had cancer is that um, easiest task, if you can't do them, it becomes a massive problem because it's something that you used to doing it. And when it's taken away from you, then it becomes a problem. And if drinking a water becomes a problem, then it's, it's a major problem for that person's whole well-being. And that uh, actually made me uh, ha have a um, scholarship at the end of my uh, college when I graduated. Um, uh, unfortunately, my mom couldn't see it. She passed away a year before I finished it, um, but it was a great honor for me to make it. And then because of all these uh, emotional things that happened, uh, I didn't want to continue doing industrial design. So I left and went back to Turkey to uh, calm down and see what, what I can do. And for that New Year's Eve, uh, I decided what I wanted to cook. Um, it was probably my first time cooking something um, kind of like put together other than like college dorm food. And it was for my dad and a couple of friends. And my dad, um, he did really enjoy it. And he asked me at that night, he's like, oh, have you ever thought of becoming a professional cook? And the first thing was like, I never did. But since you said it, now I'm thinking of it. And the next day I found a school and the next month I started. And my first day, um, literally when I got into that kitchen, I was 30 minutes early. Um, and the chef said, first thing he saw me, I was 30 minutes early, I was the first in class. And he said, we're gonna be great friends because you're early. <laughs> and I kept that. And since then till now, I'm always 30 minutes early to every place that I try to go. Um, always at work, try to be early, not late. And um, yeah, during that, um, I finished culinary school uh, with um, most likely to succeed award and best in class award in culinary education and culinary management. And then I started working at, um, for my stage, I went and applied to uh, Acme restaurant. And then they're like, yeah, they called me. I spent amazing two months there for my stage, got my diploma and got a job there. It was from 2013 to mid 2015, I was there uh, in New York and it was an amazing uh, two and a half years. I learned tons of stuff, amazing techniques. Uh, and from day one, I always looked at things. It's like, oh, how can I make this into a business? Or can I make this into a business? Every test that I got, um, I made those my, um, the main priorities probably in life. If it's beets, yeah, beets. Know everything about beets. Uh, how do they cook? What happens to them? How do they taste in certain situations? And that almost become an obsession of 
um, having your station as a cook, you are responsible of millions of different things in your, around you, and they're all extremely important. And that um, first essay that I was talking about was kind of describing this. Have the tasks, doesn't matter how much you have, and just know them, do your best, and it will be all good. And so how did you end up in Oakland, California then? Um, how I came um, to Oakland is actually I was on vacation. Um, when I left Acme, I had a six-month period that uh, I couldn't find a job. It was almost getting a job and getting declined. And I was getting slightly frustrated and wanted to find a way out. And my lease was ending in New York. And similar times, I had a, a friend's vacation to San Francisco. And I came here. It was my first time in West Coast, first time in San Francisco. And it was uh, it was around April, and it was amazing weather. And we were having breakfast, and I like I decided that I wanted to print out seven CVs and resumes. And I said, I'm just going to walk through a couple of restaurant doors and see if I can find a job. And then I did on my last day. And I went to uh, Saison and gave my resume. And at that time, they were looking for someone to hire. And I told them uh, I'll be back next week. But I actually, the next day, got on the plane. And train, uh, the plane had to come back. And I got off the plane and stayed in San Francisco since then. And I got, a jo I got the job in Saison next week. And then I called my father and my roommate. And then I said, I'm moving to San Francisco. And that was it. And I'm in love with uh, Bay Area. And since that day, it was um, my biggest um, decision to move here more than the restaurant was the sun, the trees, and everything I looked at. I think that was something that I was missing in New York. Uh, looking at buildings uh, were getting uh, slightly boring and depressing for me. And it was, this was a great change. All the smells that I could smell um, in and around uh, trees and flowers. So it was a massive um, eye-opening for me. And when I moved to San Francisco, I told myself I will never do anything that will make me unhappy. And... San Francisco did at that time. So, and yeah, so that's how I uh, moved to San Francisco, uh, Oakland, California. And so you were doing another job at first. I mean, do you still have another job and do the pop-ups or is it just you're focusing 100% on the doing the pop-ups? 100% uh, on pop-ups. Okay, so I love this. So you're you're fully committed, and do you do the entire Bay Area, or do you mainly focus on Oakland? 
uh, the whole entire Bay Area. So this is amazing. So you're mobile. So you're not even, it's not like you have to be in Oakland or Richmond or San Francisco or South San Francisco or San Mateo or or whatever the other places are. You can yeah. literally pick yourself up and go anywhere. So how yeah. do you find people to go, you know, do the pop-ups in? Um, so some that I find myself, I go to a brewery, be like, if they do pop-ups there before, they're mostly looking for other people too because not every uh, food truck or pop-up person or bakery is uh, open all the time. So mainly breweries or pop-up cafes uh, are my main uh, looking points and to find um, gigs for myself. And it's been happening pretty uh, actually easily. I've never had a um, reach out and they say we're not doing any pop-ups or no, we don't want anybody else. It's um, rarely emails. I like to go and talk to the person myself or talk to the bartender or talk to the person or the barista uh, who's around to see if I will um, enjoy the space, enjoy the person that I'm interacting with because um, I think that's important because all these interactions can become uh, something a little bit larger for me. And I think that's really important for my uh, future business. So that's what I'm mostly, and uh, that's my technique of finding these gigs. Yeah. And um, I want to say, number one, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. That had to be tough. I haven't lost my parents, but I can't even imagine yeah. what that's like. But what mm-hmm. the thing that I that comes out of it, you know, all hardships, and we learn this as entrepreneurs, is that because of that hardship, you went back to Turkey and then through um, through all of it um, became this it uh, became a chef because of it. And that's where you are right now. You've sort of followed life and through hardship, which are the things that we often mm-hmm. change our lives for, um, yeah. made you this entrepreneur and, and person you are now. So I think that's pretty incredible. And then, you know, Acme and then moving on from that gave you the opportunity to then be in Oakland, which is where you are now, which is where you started the business. And mm-hmm. So how, I mean, why Turkish, uh, why a Turkish bakery? Why, you know, those type of desserts? I mean, you could have done a million other things. Is it because your roots or, uh, you know, so explain to me a little bit about how you chose that product as the pop-up. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, when I was working at Saison, um, I was always looking at, uh, newer things uh, to do for myself. And I realized that throughout my career, I never uh, in a professional environment touched the dough. Never worked in a restaurant, they made pasta. Never worked in a restaurant that they made bread. So that was something missing in my life uh, as a chef, as a cook. And then I wanted to work at a bakery. Then that's when I uh, start working at a neighbor bakehouse in San Francisco. And that um, showed me 
of how to work with one type of material, one type of dough, and make different things of it. And at that moment, I literally went back to my college years, and that's how you uh, approach things. You, uh, that was my favorite uh, way to approach things. You find the material, you work with it, you can see what it, it does, and you're trying to find the application for it. That was, uh, for me, very enjoyable because then you didn't have 40 different things that uh, you can dis get distracted in between. Uh, so working at a neighbor bakehouse, making croissants, working with the same dough over and over and over again for a year and a half. And that made me really so much more happier than every other uh, test that I got. It was like... Um, Literally, uh, as we, as you know, uh, when you look at sushi chefs, they have this zen to them. And I felt something similar, that calmness of uh, having one thing and uh, doing it 10,000, in my case, 60,000 times. Yeah. And that made me really happy. So then I decided that I want to focus on uh, one thing. And then I looked at my past um, of Turkish cultures. It was like uh, börek was börek rolls was something that uh, my dad would buy from the uh, bakery and then serve it for me for breakfast before I go to school. And that was something that um, I do love. And when I first decided that I should uh, try my own thing, um, and there's one thing of philo, everybody. Um, most uh, moms and grandmas uh, of Turkey uh, would be like, oh, yufka is, filo dough is very difficult to make. And that was something always you would hear it. You're like, oh, uh, this person's mom does great yufka. Like it was something in um, these uh, family cuisines. If someone is great at that uh, yufka or filo dough, that's slightly awarding. So I wanted to try out uh, how difficult uh, this thing was. And then I started uh, looking into filo dough, looking into Turkish culture, looking into Turkish cuisine and Ottoman cuisine and which other cuisines that they affected because it was a, a massive empire that part was North Africa, part was in Europe, part was in um, Turkey, but was in Middle East. So there's like tons of cultures that they affected and all those cultures took that and then changed into another way. So um, then I learned that uh, Sudo, um, mostly in Austria, is exactly like Philodo. They just have a slightly different percentage. But uh, when I read it, um, actually Ottoman bakers and Austrian bakers uh, during wartime, exchange these uh, recipes and all that stuff. So um, now I'm using strudel technique to make uh, Turkish bureks, which outcome is, uh, I would say, maybe uh, similar, maybe even better. For in my case, it's uh, it's better. And yeah, so that was. Um, how I came to uh, picking Philodo. 
I I think it's amazing, and I'm I'm familiar with Fila Doe. Just um, my uh, significant other Deborah, she's Greek, so they use Fila Doe a lot in different things that they use. So I'm a big fan, mm-hmm. and I actually spent some time in Turkey during grad school, and then Deborah and I have spent some time there when we were on our way to South Africa. We we stopped there and, and made sure we spent some time in Istanbul. So. I, you know, and I love it. And people don't realize how much unique spices and flavors and pastries and things there are in Turkey, just because exactly what you said, the Ottoman empire made it such a central place of all these different types of foods and then trading and the silk road and all of those type of things and the spice trades and all that made it such a central point for all these different flavors and and spices and and foods that just have come together there in such a beautiful way and it's just an amazing thing it's some of the best food i've ever had traveling anywhere and i just i love it and so i'm super excited to to try your stuff one of these days i'm gonna have to get out to oakland on one of my trips out to san francisco and the bay area but i love what you're doing and i love the pop-up concept um and so how long have you been doing the pop-ups? Um, I started uh, the whole thing, let's say, six months ago. I had my first three months of developing uh, the recipes, uh, the dough, how to work these things. Then I, um, tomorrow I will have my fifth pop-up. So I would say I've been working on it for... Uh, six months and I've been doing pop-ups for a month month or two and so um, is there so just um, just so the audience knows is there a certain place that you go to every Tuesday or every Wednesday or and how do they find where you're going um, what's your social media website etc how do me if I come into Oakland how do I find you when where you're going to be um um so I have uh, my Instagram page. Since I don't have a solid location, there's no physical space that you can uh, find me. But my Instagram page uh, is where I uh, announce where I'm going because I'm. I have a pop up in Dog Patch. I have a pop up in San Francisco in Mission District. I have a pop up in East Bay, uh, Emeryville. I have one pop up in Oakland. So since I'm traveling in different locations uh, mostly i keep everything um happening from my instagram that's that's how you can find me uh, i don't have a set uh weekly thing yet since i'm really new it's mostly first two runs are like test runs for the uh, place that they're hiring me and for me as well if i enjoy the location if people are happy then i'll go back there and then try to have um weekly set things set dates but for now since i'm really uh, new i don't have any and okay i and so what are i mean so we're you're about two months in and so what do you have long-term goals i mean where is it that you're hoping to be with this you know the next year the next five years the next 10 years um, of course, I would love to have a brick, or, brick and mortar place, and hopefully, I would like to uh, 
expand in different locations. I would like to have one in New York, one in LA, one in Istanbul, most definitely. And yeah, I usually try to go as uh, as it comes. But yeah, my uh, I would love to have my own spot. And so what are the things, I mean, so far that you love the most about doing the pop-ups and what are the things you dislike the most? Uh, what I love about this is people's reactions. Um, when they buy something from you, they take it and you can see from far away if they enjoy it or not. Um, the outcome, either they like it, they don't. It's always that... Um, uh, slight excitement of, oh, are they going to like it? And if they like it, you can see uh, from their face that um, genuine excitement and happiness. And that's, I think, the the best part of it because you're uh, making someone really happy of what they ate, which is I which I think is a very intimate thing to do. And that's probably the thing that I love most, mostly in cooking as well, other than this pop-up, um, this business. Um, what I dislike, hmm, what I dislike, I I don't dislike many things, but uh, sometimes it gets stressful uh, when you have, let's say, a week off that you don't do anything you don't have any uh, gigs and then the next week you have two that becomes like you i get very uh like it becomes slow and then when you're trying to push yourself back again that's one stressful thing that is like literally the beginning of the business when it continues it's easy but there's not much to dislike about obviously there's going to be problems uh and that's given and it's, I mean, it's what uh, mostly how it happens in kitchens. There's always a problem a day and your job is to fix it. And I do enjoy that. It becomes, um, it's like a daily problem solving puzzle that I have every day. And I'm mostly just one person handling all these things. Um, yeah, my Instagram cooking, prepping, taking it there, serving. So it, it's a lot to carry, but as soon as I said everything, it's going to be a teamwork. And hopefully that day is uh, closer than further away. But it's nothing specific to uh, actually dislike. I do like everything that I have uh, as business and as customers. And, and yeah, and so I mean that's amazing that I mean you've I mean I found you on social media that's how I reached out to you but I mean it's obviously catching on and and people are taking interest in it and taking interest in your products mm-hmm. so I mean you wouldn't be doing it otherwise but would you say that those I mean what is it that really is motivating you and inspiring you every day to to do this. Hmm. It's 
it's making something uh, that will hopefully make someone happy. That is uh, the main motivation. I think um, we, as a whole society, are not our, at our happiest right now. So, I don't know, FHC will change it. If it changes for 25, 30 minutes, it's good enough for me. And it begins with 25, 30 minutes, and hopefully it becomes a whole year of happiness for everybody. Uh, but, yeah, that's my main motivation, to make it, make something that I can serve it to someone that uh, could hopefully uh, appreciate what I did and learn something new. And if it if they enjoyed it, if it makes them happy, um, that is all I ask for. Nothing too much. And yeah, that's my main motivation. It's simple, but it's it's working for me. I mean, I, I still, I think the pop-up idea is such a great idea, and I think there's probably more and more people doing it, but how did you come up with the idea? Is it, did you see someone else doing it, or is it something that just made sense to you? Uh, yeah, there are uh, many friends of mine and uh, did pop-ups, and I've been seeing people attending to some, and even friends that dated it. Um, it's been something that I've been familiar, uh, and it was always the idea to, is the beginning idea of, uh, because it's the easiest and the fastest way, fastest way to get to people. And yeah, um, I've seen it and then I ask questions how to make it and they're like, you know, just, just do it find a place, ask questions, and they will tell you if you can or can't do. And it did work, work for me, and hopefully it will continue like this. And so I want to talk a little bit about, because you mentioned you use like a commissary and um, in a shared kitchen. Um, we haven't talked about it mm -hmm. much on, on this podcast, but Tell me a little bit about what that is and what that's like and, you know, how you manage that and with all your events and doing a pop-up. I mean, how many hours do you have to spend preparing for a pop-up? Um, so I usually, depending uh, on the amount that I need to make, so I usually give myself three days in advance just to make sure everything is going correctly. I need to make little changes or anything like that. Um, I use one day as prep and the other two days uh, as making these burek rolls. So one day I make all fillings, the rest two days I just uh, make and shape. And if there's other problems that's coming up, I solve them uh, before pop up. So preparation, and, obviously, yeah, it, a lot of preparation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned fillings. Is there more than one kind of filling? Yes, there are. And so what are those? Um, for now, I have um, two meat options uh, with chicken, chickpea, and the other one is pork and prune. And I have two vegetable options that are... Uh, 
for actually tomatoes pop up. There's one sweet potatoes and peppers, and I have another one uh, lentils and mushrooms. Wow, that sounds incredible. Um... Yeah, so I I try to find um, the techniques or the taste that I seen during my cooking uh, at other restaurants, and some are from uh, Turkish culture, and I try to mix and mash and look at different cultures and what do they use and how, how I can imp- incorporate that to into mine. I not um, strictly Turkish and just Turkish only. Uh, we don't have soy sauce in Turkey as our uh, native cuisine, but I use it, you know, like it's, it's so open, everything is around you. It's, um, it'd be silly not to use it. So I, I try to incorporate a little bit Turkish, a little bit of what I learned and what do people enjoy after my pop-ups. So I make changes uh, depending on how everything goes, depending on people's uh, reactions. And if they enjoy it, I keep it. If they don't enjoy it, I change it. Also, there's like a, a slight price point of how to make this still a viable business. So I try to uh, learn and make that as well, make those changes as well. But uh, yeah, I try to keep it simple and manageable for uh, one person for now. And the more uh, I get business, the bigger I can get. But for now, it's it's. I try to keep it as four different flavors. Do you yeah. have any plans? I mean, do you have any ideas of what other flavors you'd like to add, if you could? Any other flavors I could add, if I could? Um, uh, I haven't tried anything with uh, any seafood yet. That's one thing that I would like to uh, probably explore. And uh, because I've never actually seen... Um, Burek that is made uh, from seafood, but it could be um, really exciting for me to try uh, on upcoming pop-ups. And uh, I mean, I think the seafood idea is a great idea and a twist, especially for the Bay Area with the amount of seafood people Mm -hmm. eat over there. I think that's amazing. um, So what is the price point that you sell them for when you're in a pop-up? Yeah, it's uh, uh, four to six dollars per piece, and depending on uh, pork, chicken, or vegetables, it varies. Uh, I try to keep it um, in four to six dollar range. And so, how big is it then? Is it about the size of a sandwich? I'm just trying to visualize the size of the the rolls. So uh, I would say. It's the size of uh, maybe like palm of your hand, uh, maybe slightly bigger. Um, but uh, the dough to filling ratio is uh, not what you're used to because uh, filler dough is extremely thin and I have quite, um, compared to uh, other pastries, I have more filling to dough ratio. Um, and I think that's something that I I do enjoy. 
and yeah. And um, so, which flavor uh, is your most popular? Actually, uh, to be honest, I have sold every flavor exactly the same amount. <laughs> that, that's pretty it's, incredible. It's, it's weird. I Every uh, pop-up I went to, if it's like there's like one extra of chicken, let's say, than all the other ones, or one less of... It's, it's not a... I don't know which one people like, but I... I I am speechless as well. Like every single thing is like people ask me. I was like, which one is your favorite? My favorite is porks and prunes. But what people have been doing is buying exactly the same amount of everything that I made. And just uh, and I mean, you're actually it's quite incredible because if you're you're doing well and all the ones are selling that means all of them are mostly selling out so you're being able to predict how much sales you're going to have and making sure you don't have waste which obviously can cost your business a lot of money yeah uh, that's one thing that i was uh, i am not struggling but uh, excel sheets and all these numbers and i it's like I can't handle it. I don't get it sometimes, but I have friends that is in finance that they are uh, Excel savvy and, and then I asked them to help me about uh, how to predict these things. And it's been working pretty good. Um, that is probably the most important part of, um, uh, of this business, uh, the cost calculations, because, um, when you go in, uh, the bills are just coming back to back to back. And it is uh, where actual creativity comes with all these juggling that you can find to make money. And that's one one thing that I learned, um, especially especially in Neighbor Bakehouse when I was working there. When you make your own money, and uh, try to have new uh, equipment in the restaurant or hire new people, that um, that goes in hand in hand. You have to be able to sustain the whole thing with what you're making. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's um, a huge thing that has to be done in any business. But I think probably, I always say it's about 18 months. In 18 months, you can learn anything and then obviously we you sort of mentioned 10,000 times and 10,000 hours is a big deal yeah. to perfect something but i think a lot of entrepreneurs in food like the excel sheets the the accounting all of that's a struggle to any entrepreneur and, and business person and, and getting that down because as your business grows you obviously want to get control of your costs it's it's hugely mm -hmm. important um you know how yeah. i guess Here's my next question is how, I mean, you're producing all of this, you're storing it. I mean, have you had to get a van? I mean, have you had to change your vehicle because now the last two months you're doing a pop-up? I mean, how are you transporting all of this? Um, uh, can I give brand names? Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, I have a, a Subaru Outback. Uh, I bought it when I came here, when I came moved to California. And it was mostly for... Uh, going to surfing or camping and all that stuff. And it's a massive car. 
um, big enough to hold everything that I need. I have produced more than I should and haven't had a problem yet. And yeah, I don't didn't, didn't need to change my car. Um, uh, it's uh, maybe I kind of knew what I was gonna do, and then I bought that car. But um, everything uh, is exactly the same how I started before this, and it's I will try to go as far as I can to uh, without using. Uh, without needing to buy a new uh, van or a vehicle or whatever uh, I have to get. And yeah, it's been going pretty good for now. I'm not serving like a thousand or two thousand piece, not making events that big. So I don't need to uh, have a massive amount of space in my car. But yeah, everything is uh, still the same. When I love all of this and I, you know, I really can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the podcast and, and share your story. And, and it's just an, an amazing story. And I, I really, if you don't mind, just give everyone the information of how they can find you again and how they can find your locations if they're in the Bay area. Yeah, of course. Um, as I said, my Instagram is, uh, at Working Class Hero Club and you can find all the information there and if you want to contact me you can contact me through uh, direct message or uh, my email is tarankuze at workingclasshero.club and yeah those are the two ways that uh, people can reach me and find me and see what I'm doing and yeah, even more. And I, I love your story and I'm really interested to hear where it goes and I'm sure the audience will be as well. And so mm -hmm. I'd love to have you back on the podcast in eight to 10 months to see where your business has gone and continue to tell your story and, and the things that are progressing and maybe even a seafood role gets mixed in there somewhere. But I would really love to have you back on the show, and I do really appreciate you being on here and, and telling the audience your story. Yeah, uh, of course I will. And I appreciate for you to finding me and ask me to be on this show. It was, it was great. And anyone in the audience, if you like what we're doing on the podcast and you like the story, please share it with other people, your friends and your family. You know, we're all coming on here and volunteering our time. So please pass it along. There's so much going on and so many good things happening and so many stories. And try the products. Go try these food entrepreneurs products for sure that we're on here. Um, go try some Turkish rolls in uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and and go to Oakland and try some food there, and uh, help everyone out there taking their time. So again, thank you for being on the episode, and thank you everyone for listening in. This is Justin Bizarre, Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm the host, and you can reach me at Justin at the Food Entrepreneurs dot com is my email. 
and on social media on Facebook and Instagram. It's at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. And feel free to direct message us if you want to be on the podcast or you like what we're doing and you want to reach out to anyone who's been on the podcast and try their products. I'd be happy to pass along their information as well if you didn't hear it during the podcast. So thank you everyone for listening in and have a great day. Thank you.